This is Jennifer Gonzalez welcoming you to episode 141 of the Cult of Pedagogy podcast. In this episode, we're going to talk about how you can rid your classroom of the phrase, I don't know. As teachers, we ask questions all the time. And for most of us, it's not at all uncommon to hear students respond with, I don't know. If we're offering them any kind of challenging instruction, we should expect that they're not always going to know exactly what to say when faced with an academic question. The problem is that I don't know lets students off the hook, allowing them to pass on an opportunity to grow and handing that opportunity over to someone else. For some students, I don't know becomes a crutch, a get-out-of-jail-free card they use way too often to the point where they become almost second-class citizens in the room constantly taking a back seat and never really stretching themselves. The thing is, I don't know can actually mean a whole lot of different things. It might be that the student doesn't know the material, but it might also mean that they don't understand the question, that they didn't hear the question, or that they don't understand one key term in the question. It might be that they're too shy to answer. It might be that they have a guess, but they're afraid it might be wrong. Many of these are solvable problems. We just need to give students the tools to solve them. With those tools, students can give us a different response and actually keep participating in their learning instead of passing. Today I'm talking with Connie Hamilton, educational consultant, trainer, and author of the book Hacking Questions, 11 Answers That Create a Culture of Inquiry in Your Classroom. Connie has written a guest blog post about how we can change these I don't knows to more constructive responses that get our students to more actively participate in their own learning. In this episode, we'll share those strategies. Before we get started, I'd like to thank World 101 for sponsoring this episode. Do your students actually understand what a trade deficit is? Do they understand the difference between a refugee and an asylum seeker? Do they know the number one health challenge in the world today isn't infectious diseases, it's non-communicable diseases like obesity and diabetes? If you answered no to any of these questions, check out World 101 from the Council on Foreign Relations. World 101 is a growing library of free multimedia resources that explains the fundamentals of international relations and foreign policy through engaging interactive storytelling. And did I mention it's free? World 101 will help your students become better informed, invest in their futures, and make a difference. Get them started today at world101.cfr.org. That's world101.cfr.org. Support for this episode also comes from ListenWise, an award-winning online listening curriculum. ListenWise brings NPR podcast lessons into your classroom for grades 2 through 12. Teach listening skills while building content knowledge using engaging and relevant nonfiction podcasts. It's great to address the listening and speaking standards on your ELA state assessments like the Smarter Balance Test. With ListenWise Premium, you get built-in literacy supports, automatically scored listening comprehension quizzes, and interactive transcripts so students can read along as they listen. Research shows that better listeners are better learners. Sign up for a 30-day free trial at listenwise.com slash cultofpedagogy. That's listenwise.com slash cultofpedagogy. 
Now, here's my conversation with Connie Hamilton about how we can get the phrase, I don't know, out of our classrooms. Connie, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me, Jen. So we're going to talk about a really simple idea today, and it's basically about what teachers should do about the problem of students saying, I don't know, all the time as responses. And you've got some really good practical ideas to share. So before we get into it, just tell us a little bit about what you do in terms of education. All right. Thanks. I'm a former curriculum director, principal, instructional coach, teacher, have had lots of experiences um, in the school settings. And most of my time now, I I spend working with teachers in their classrooms, reflecting on instructional practices and putting some of the strategies from my book, Hacking Questions, to life. So um, putting that to good work and and working with uh, teachers in that setting. Excellent. Excellent. So this is a phenomenon that you have observed a lot. And I'm guessing just your work as an instructional coach probably is what gave you the idea to write the book in the first place. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of these ideas you see as patterns over time. And so when you begin to see some of the same problems and teachers dealing with the same struggles, you have this burning desire to find some solutions. So that's what we're trying to do. Right. So we're, the book itself actually focuses on several different areas, and we're going to actually talk about the book at the end more in depth, but we're going to just focus today on this problem of I don't know as a response. So explain to us what is wrong with letting students say I don't know, and, and also talk a little bit about the different forms that that can take. It's not always students saying I don't know. Yeah, so it's, you know, we don't want to walk away with the idea that it's not okay not to know. I mean, that sort of defines what learning is. You don't know something and then and then later you do. But right. the problem that I see is that we use I don't know as sort of a get out of jail free card. Mm-hmm. So students say I don't know and then teachers are sort of frozen there or they have a, a very small handful of tools in their toolbox that they use for I don't know responses. And one of the things I've noticed is that they they don't match up. And so when you have that mismatch of an I don't know response, which could be deer in the headlights, you know, they're just Mm -hmm. staring at you and you're thinking, oh no. (laughs) Or you you get some shoulder shrugs or... um, you know, you just get kind of that, those crooked eyebrows, as, as we call them in my family, of just that look of confusion, and you're just sort of reading mm-hmm. the students. So there's a lot of different ways that students communicate. Sometimes they literally say, I don't know, or in writing, even worse. You know, we see I, D, K, and yeah. some kind of a written something or other. So um, I think the problem really more is allowing that to serve as the answer and then moving on to someone else who does know or, Mm -hmm. um, you know, just allowing that to be a closed door. Right. And I think there probably are a lot of students out there who have learned now over the years that they can, they can just take a pass basically by saying that. And there are a lot of teachers who will just move on after that because, you know, we we don't necessarily know what to do with that answer. And we figure, oh, well, if they don't want to respond or they don't know, I don't want to embarrass them or I don't want to push the issue or whatever it is. So a lot of times those students miss out on the opportunity to stretch and grow and and learn more. Yes. And that pass it on to somebody else, that that sounds like, who can help (laughs) so-and-so? Yeah. Yeah. 
And so you get these really sort of passive learners after a while who have just figured out, like, I just, I can just sort of get around having to try basically by just saying, I don't know. Exactly. Yeah. So what we're going to talk about is, you know, you've got some really specific ideas for what teachers can do to basically make, I don't know, uh, an obsolete thing in the classroom to to come up with lots of alternatives and ways to um, set students up so that they have more tools than just saying I don't know. So you've, it's actually a, a couple of different steps that that we're going to take teachers through. So what's the first thing that a teacher should do if they want to eradicate I don't know in their classroom? Well, the first thing is really to sort of diagnose where the I don't know is coming from. What what is the root cause? Mm -hmm. And teachers who work with their students regularly get better and better at this as as the year goes on to try to make a prediction as to why the student is saying I don't know. So is it because they're shy? Is it because they lack confidence? Is it because they really don't know? Is it because um, they've been waiting a long time and and you know they they think that they've expired their amount of think time. So diagnosing what the cause is of the I don't know then can help the teachers identify a strategy that best meets the reason for the I don't know. So that's that's the first step in bringing mm -hmm. students into that process is a mm -hmm. really great strategy just to have some open dialogue. So when you say I don't know, what are, why are you saying that? What are the reasons? And don't be surprised if sometimes you, you know, we do hear it because I don't know. I mean, that yeah. is a legitimate reason of why right. kids say that I don't know, but that isn't always the reason. Right. Sometimes there are just other causes for students to give that. It's quick and easy. And as you said, it, it gets them off the hook. So they've learned that over time. Yeah. So once we identify what the strategy is, then the, the next, the, or the next step in the process is um, just sort of exploring that and looking at you know, what are some some things that we can do to to replace that. So brainstorm with them. You know, is it because I didn't hear the question? Is it because I don't understand the question? Is it because I I couldn't think of an answer quickly enough? Mm -hmm. So we want them to be more precise in the way that they describe what the barrier is to them providing a response or taking a, an academic risk. Right. And then once we can identify what that is, it's a lot easier to find a solution. So if, if a teacher's go-to is, well, I'm, I'm just going to increase my wait time. So if a student doesn't know, I'm going to give them wait time. Well, that works perfectly fine if, if that's the reason that they're saying, I don't know. But if the reason they're saying, I don't know, is because they didn't hear the question, You'll be waiting a long stinking time. <laughs> right. And right. So that's a mismatch. So if you know that the reason a student says, I don't know, is because they didn't hear the question, you know, it's sort of like one of those moments. Mm -hmm. It's easy to find a solution. So backing up and spending a little bit of time getting at that root cause can can make some solutions a lot, a lot clearer for both the, the students and and the teacher. Yeah. And what, what you're suggesting, and by the way, this is all this information is going to be in a, a guest blog post that you're writing on Cult of Pedagogy. So people can find all of these ideas later by going over to that. But I would love it if we could sort of go through this chart where there is the reason why the student didn't know the answer and then the suggested phrase that we give them 
to use instead. Um, and what I really love about this is that I feel like with kids of almost all ages, if we're talking about K through 12 kids, it's giving them, I think, new metacognitive skills. It's actually helping them think about their thinking better because I think some of them may not even realize that there are multiple reasons why they don't know. Yeah. <laughs> they might just be like, Ugh, I don't know. And when you break it down for them, I think that be helps them become better learners. Um, but it's also teaching them self-advocacy. Exactly. You know, you're sort of teaching them that sort of participatory academic language for how you can conduct yourself in a classroom instead of just saying, I don't know, and like putting everything in the hands of the teacher. Sure. I don't think there's a mission statement in the country that doesn't say something about being a lifelong learner. And right. yet we kind of undermine that philosophy when we say, oh, you don't know? Okay, well, who who else does know? And we just yeah. move on and we allow that to happen. Right, right. So so let's go through some of these. Um, let's Maybe what we can do is I will, and I'm going to go from this chart that we have in the blog post right now, if that's okay with you, this sure. the table. So I will read the reason, the root reason for why the student is actually saying they don't know. And then you can tell us what the phrase is that the student could actually use with the teacher. Sounds good. That work for you? Okay. So the first reason is I didn't hear the question. So what could they say? Can you repeat the question, please? Right, which is so much better than I don't know. <laughs> uh, I didn't understand the question. So instead of that, they could say, I'm not sure what you're asking. Can you rephrase the question, please? Yes, I love that. I couldn't answer quickly enough. Ah, so this is about speed. So mm -hmm. then being an advocate, maybe to say, I'm going to need some extra time to think about it. Yeah. It would be so great to imagine a student actually saying that. <laughs> you know, it's like so mature sounding. Um, how, okay, so this one. I don't like talking in front of the class. May I share my response with a small group? It's really interesting. I think that would be so eye-opening for some kids to realize, especially if you discuss it ahead of time with the teacher and let them know that that is an option. Mm -hmm. For some yeah. kids, that would be just huge. And, and that's why I think it's so powerful to share these and be really transparent with kids to say, this is completely acceptable. Not only is mm -hmm. it acceptable in a classroom, but it's acceptable as adults to use these strategies. We use mm -hmm. them all the time. And no mm -hmm. one gets an eye like, what do you mean you don't know? What do you mean you, you need me to repeat the question? Yeah, <laughs> no one questions that. Yeah, yeah. And, I, and and unfortunately, my one fear about all of this is that if students get conditioned to use these strategies in one teacher's class and then the next year they go to another teacher's class who is not used to any of this, that teacher might think those kids were just being a little bit too forward or disrespectful. <laughs> so there would be, I, I think any teacher that trains students in these kinds of strategies, you might want to send them off to the next year with a slight warning of just to say, you know, you might get your head bitten off by a teacher who's not used to this and thinks you're being mouthy. Yeah. Um, you know what I mean? I can just see some teachers who think anything but an answer is, is you know, somehow being in, you know, I can't think of the word right now, but, you know, back talking or something like that. Okay. So here's another one. I'm not sure if my answer is right. So here I go back again to what we do as adults. You can quantify your response. So if you're not sure that it's right, then maybe you're 35% sure that it is right, which means you're 65% sure that it's wrong. So if you turn out mm. to be wrong, you were right that you were wrong. 
Right, right. <laughs> and that, and you're right, adults say that all the time. So, you know, getting students to understand that that's an option, you know, you can always say that. I think that's great. Um, oh, yeah. So what about, I, re- I really don't know. So if they really don't know, one, we, ha- we have lots of strategies for, for, for that um, in the blog and, and in the book. Um, but one, just right off the bat, is instead of passing it off to someone else, have the teacher mm-hmm. passing it off to someone else, allow the student to have a, a consult. And I, and I am not joking. I was literally in a classroom in the Detroit area in Michigan just last week, and a mm-hmm. middle school student said, can I consult with Ava? And <laughs> we were in there observing, and, and, you know, they just had this, and they did it as a fishbowl because I think the teacher was caught a little off guard, and, and she quick, mm-hmm. like, leaned over, and had they had this little private conversation that none of us could hear, and then she giggled, and then she gave a, a perfectly good response, which is wonderful for middle schoolers because it allows them to save face. You know, what, how their peers think about them is so important at that age. Mm -hmm. And so if we can allow them to maintain their dignity, why wouldn't we? Yeah. Yeah. You know, that actually reminds me a little bit of a strategy in Teach Like a Champion called No Opt Out, where if a student says, I don't know, a lot of times they'll advise that you go to another student who will then give the correct answer. And then you go back to the original student and say, okay, now what is the answer to this? And the student simply says what they just heard Mm -hmm. where, so that at the very least they are in practice of giving a correct answer. This, this one I like almost better than that because it's just, it's a little more self-directed as opposed to like, go ahead and say what this other better student just said, (laughs) you know, you don't necessarily know what that private conversation had that they may have just been asking for one tiny bit of the answer. Well, and like you said, there's a difference between when the teacher says, would you like to ask someone? And when the student advocates for him or herself by saying, may Mm. I consult with someone? It's a subtle difference, but it still is really empowering the student to advocate for themselves and and to take ownership of their own learning. Right, right. And then you've just got another list of phrases or sentence stems that help students when they have an answer, but they're really afraid that it might be wrong. So you've got this list of qualifying sentence stems that they can start using that sort of just help to soften the blow if they are wrong. Um, Tell us what those are. It's like sort of leaving the back door open. So it might be like, right now I'm thinking, or based on the little bit I know currently, or, you know, this, I say this one all the time, I might change my mind later, but here's what I'm thinking right now. <laughs> yeah. um, or I'm still thinking this through, I can't really wrap my head around it. I'm not exactly sure, but I'll take a shot at it. You know, yeah. anything like that. If we want students, even if we want to give them the actual language of being a risk taker, we can encourage them to say, hey, I might be wrong, but I'm going to take a risk. Yeah, yeah. That, yeah, I, I think that's a that's a great strategy, especially for students who are always afraid to give any answer. I also think that if you've started this at the beginning of the year and you get to about the halfway point, it's also probably worthwhile to ask students to sort of self-monitor how often they're using those strategies because I know that girls and women sometimes tend to always do that mm-hmm. no matter what. You know, before we say something, they'll say something like, well, this probably isn't right, or I'm not really sure about this. And and a lot of times these are very intelligent, you know, confident women who will just sort of constantly do this. And so I think if a person is doing this 
too often, they may want to take a look at why they're doing that and try just taking that piece off after a while. Sort of undermining themselves. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think there have been studies about how often women can tend to do that. Mm -hmm. And I do think it's a good transition, though, from someone who's afraid to speak up at all. Because those are those are also very humble lines to say. You know, it keeps you from sounding like you're grandstanding or, or being a know-it-all. Um, but I also think there's a danger in overdoing those. I agree. Yeah, yeah. So um, you also recommended um, doing something to officially mark the end of I don't know in the classroom mm-hmm. as a as a another strategy for for tackling this. Yeah. So. especially at this time of year. So it's not the beginning of the year. You're, you know, Mm -hmm. if if you're looking at trying to shift the culture and saying, okay, yeah, we're going to eradicate IDK in my classroom, creating some sort of an event that memorializes I don't knows and kind of just puts that to rest. The chapter in the book says kick the IDK bucket, you know, so Mm -hmm. just um, looking for a way to formalize the fact that we're getting rid of it. So um, one idea is just to invite students to write, I don't know, on a piece of paper and then like destroy that piece of paper, crumple it up, Mm -hmm. put it in the recycling bin, um, bury it in the playground. Um, Even some teachers have gone so far as to have like an I don't know funeral. Now, of course, with that, you want to be sensitive to what's happening in in students' lives and Mm -hmm. and so forth. We don't want to trigger any emotional feelings when we're trying to create a a different um, um, result here. So, you know, if if you don't want to do like a formal ceremony, you you just have some sort of conversation perhaps of repurposing this I don't know. And the idea is that it's okay not to know, but that isn't the end of Mm. effort toward knowing. It's the transition toward or the beginning of the effort toward knowing. And that's the shift that we really want to make for for students and for us in the way that we deal deal with that event when we're getting an I don't know response. Right. So let's just shift now to telling us a little bit about your book, Hacking Questions. This book came out last year. It was about a year ago, correct? Almost exactly. Yep. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about, you know, if people are are liking your ideas here and they want to hear more from you, what does this book offer to them? So it's uh, book number 23, if you can believe that. Goodness gracious. Right? (laughs) Yeah. The Hack Learning Series. And it follows the same format as the very first book that you and Mark Barnes wrote, Hacking Education. Mm -hmm. So uh, it's structured in a way that is really mindful about making sure that everything in the book is actionable. There's Mm -hmm. an entire section that, as in with all of the books, that's specifically dedicated in every chapter to what you can do tomorrow. And Mm -hmm. I was very mindful in every chapter to make sure that literally you don't have to buy anything, you don't have to make anything, you don't have to prep anything, that you literally can take take one step toward solving a problem around questioning with some of the strategies in what you can do tomorrow. So um, there's a lot of different chapters, but they, the kind of the themes within the chapter focus on using questions for engagement, 
of course, as we've been talking about today, how, how I don't know, responses to questions can be dealt with, um, how we can use questions to align to the learning target, closing lessons with reflective questions. And then there are a variety of chapters that speak to collaborative conversations. So how to create pinball talk where students are bouncing conversations off of one another and posing questions and our role during student conversations to increase the amount of questions that students are asking to one mm. another and about the content to spark curiosity. And uh, so there are some ideas on there of how to spin that around so that the students are the ones asking the questions more so than we are and how to leverage that. That's fantastic. So lots lots of different things. It's really more, I say it's less about the science of questioning, like here's the DOK or this is a level XYZ of question. It's less about that and it is more about the art of delivery of quality questions. Excellent. That's great. And that sounds like it really would be applicable to all subject areas and all grade levels. Yes, I I tried to make sure that I was mindful to include examples around world language, art, physical education, um, some of those subject areas, music, some of those subject areas that sometimes get left out of books that are related to instructional practices. So I I was intentional of including everybody in there, not just science, social studies and math and English. Fantastic. If people want to learn more from you, where can they find you online? Really the easiest place is my website, hackingquestions.com. Pretty easy, but uh, also I respond fairly quickly to Twitter and that's at Connie Hamilton. So whatever your pleasure is, those are the two easiest. Great. Thank you so much, Connie. I think this is going to be really, really useful for a lot of teachers. Thanks for having me, Jen. I really appreciate it. For links to all the resources mentioned in this episode and to read Connie's guest post in full, visit cultofpedagogy.com, click podcast, and choose episode 141. To get a weekly email from me about my newest blog posts, podcast episodes, and products, sign up for my mailing list at cultofpedagogy.com slash subscribe. Thanks so much for listening and have a great day.